Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Okay, welcome back, Dr. Allie. <laughs> Let's keep it going. So first I want to talk about, we ended the last conversation about the portal to everything next level. And so I think that's a great segue into do consulting group tagline. Let me help you do you. I want to talk about that. <laughs> Let's get into talking about what it is that you do to help me do me. I do too much. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, there's like three branches to the Do Consulting Group. I have the direct coaching. So it's like the direct client branch, which involves one-on-one coaching, couples coaching, group coaching, as well as coaching side. And I'm, I'm working some workshops in. I, I tested some workshops out a few years ago. I really like doing it. So I'm revamping it and bringing it back. But workshops take time, y'all. Sign up for these workshops. These people putting time into it. Um, well, and can um, I just add, can I just add, you can never charge enough for them because the time that you put into them never calculates accurately. That's why I had to slow down on that. <laughs> I, and that's why I slowed down too. But I, I, I really like, like I was saying to you off camera, you know, I love teaching. And so the workshops and the coaching is so fun to me because my model is a little bit more, I have like a lot of psychoeducation as a part of it. And it's very specific for the individual like I'm not the coach that has necessarily like a plan like a one two three four five plan of like if you do these five things you're going to be the best person in the world no because it was different so for me I've noticed with my clientele it's much more um, specified to what they need how I help them do them specifically then my second branch is a consulting branch and so that is truly like founded it was it was a branding space and I'm pivoting right now do a little bit more work in research and like white papers. So not like necessarily like hardcore heavy research, but looking more at where psychology, where mental health, where human behavior research is going. What are we seeing in some patterns? And I'm calling it psychofuturism. So So I was going to get into that. I want you to break that down a little bit. Yeah. Where is the future of human behavior headed? How does tech, for example, and AI and specifically impact, you know, human cognition, memory. Is it actually as scary as we're making it out to be? Is it going to be the fall of all humanity? Or are we just projecting our own kind of like Eurocentric perspectives onto tech? It is created by, you know, a lot of people with those types of perspectives. So I'm trying to get an idea of what's happening next. And that was kind of, um, and so the pivot away from branding, and I still brand, but because um, I was doing like a neural marketing was kind of the, the specific focus, looking at how the human brain impacts the way we experience brand and helping brands to kind of utilize that research and information to create something that was actually going to really target their audience. That is where I love aesthetics. The, the way things look is really important to me. And I think a lot of people will be like, well, why don't we care? It matters. OK, cities are planned with 
the help of psychologists and people who understand human behavior, marketing was created by Edward Bernays, who was the nephew of Freud. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And he was he was a little evil. <laughs> like he knew bacon wasn't good for people. But the reason we eat bacon and eggs for breakfast is because of the work of Edward Bernays in the 1920s. The reason women smoke cigarettes is because of Edward Bernays. He utilized the information that he had. He literally sat with Freud and learned from Freud about the unconscious and the sexual nature of things. And he postulated that women didn't use cigarettes because they were phallic and that it was inappropriate for women to have anything phallic in their mouths, especially in public. And so he changed the narrative by getting a lot of uh, socialites to go to a woman's suffrage uh, parade and wear short skirts. And they would pull cigarettes out of their garter belts and smoke them publicly. And it was salacious. All of the news and all the press, he bought the press. To, he asked the press to come to specifically cover it. So like early TMZ and created the model that we really see today, because before they weren't really doing things like that. And so he was the father of modern marketing. And so I'm interested in marketing from that perspective. So that's why I worked in branding. And now I'm trying to bring it kind of a little bit more mental health and human behavior focused. But branding is still a part of it. Aesthetics is still a part of it. I just want to do more like white papers and create a think tank. That's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm getting funding for this think tank. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, so it's a lot though. So there's that. And then the other arm is media. Media and television, which is how I get a lot of my messages out through podcasts, through public speaking, through shows and television, radio, whoever will have me really. (laughs) Don't say that. I like to sound exclusive. (laughs) I know. No, no, no one can have me. I hate talking about these things. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, any medium, any medium. I'll write it down. I will. But yeah, so those are my the three branches of the uh, Do Consulting Group. Well, and what about the products? So the products are part of the, yeah, probably the direct client part. So I have something that I have already created that is here. These are, it's going to be backwards because of this and I'm giving away the fact that I have a light here. But um, the new deck is a mental health card deck that I actually created in the midst of the pandemic while I was having like some some real serious issues with like anxiety. It's a 52 card deck and it's full of a bunch of like interventions that I've utilized over the course of my career. Pretty drawings and images and just a bunch of just different interventions that I've always really loved and utilized with clients in the past and with myself. And for me, it was all about bravery. I was like, how do I really connect with myself to feel brave? And so a lot of this is about learning how to radically accept who you are, connect to who you are, which also connects to, you know, the the quote that you gave and the conversation that we've had before is that there's a lot of parts of who we are. We're not just one kind of static existent. We're not one static person. But I've noticed a lot of people don't keep up with the changes that they've experienced. They don't keep up with the growth that they've had. So a lot of the cards in the stack will help you to do, you know, things like that. Like I have, this is a journal card all about connection. So I have like cards, I have journal cards, do cards and meditate cards. So you're going to be journaling, doing something in the world, or meditating. And this journal card, it just has you journal on see the world from someone else's perspective this week and write about it. So just see somebody else's perspective and just sit in it and write about it. And so it's just ways for you to learn to connect with yourself by stretching yourself in different ways. I love it. Thank you for sharing all of that. And they can buy them. 
Yes, for my website, alisonhicks.com. And then I'm actually having an event on the 19th of May at Octavia's Bookstore. Have you heard of that? Yes, I am like obsessed. It's like, is it? It's the first black woman owned bookstore in LA or in like California? I don't know, but I know about it and I'm happy I do. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I I keep saying LA, but I think it might be bigger than that. I think it might be even more. Yeah. And it's such an amazing space. So I'll be having an event there. I'll be teaching people how to use the cards and they can purchase the cards if they want to come there too. But obviously you can find them on my website. Perfect. I want to shift gears just a little bit, same vein, but shift gears a little bit. What is your opinion and experience on how to develop a loving marriage slash relationship? Because <sighs> you're so darn cute and you two are so darn cute together. Like- and every time I see you, I, I get a smile immediately. Adorable. He's just my favorite person, but like, that doesn't mean we don't fight. That doesn't mean we don't argue. That doesn't mean there in some days I don't look over at him and just want to knock him onto the floor out the bed. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll say, I think number one, I think communication is key. It is, it is the, the thing, because like I even said earlier, we are not static. We change and we reshape ourselves. And you're also changing and reshaping yourself while you're trying to live this life with this other person who's changing and reshaping themselves too. And so you got to keep up with it. And so I feel like it's important to have open and honest communication and everyone's communication is going to look different, right? Like I am a verbal communicator. I will tell you every single feeling I'm having. I will articulate it to you in great detail. If any of you have been paying attention, I am not parsimonious. I do not be short. Every answer is going to be even longer than the last. And I'm like that with my dear sweet husband, who is parsimonious, who doesn't necessarily want to have a 10 hour conversation about my feelings and how I feel like the color purple today. And my and my emotions are fuzzy. He doesn't necessarily want to hear that. He listens and he internalizes it. He finds it interesting now. He used to be like kind of like girl, but he's adapted to me and I've adapted to him and understanding. I think an issue for me initially was if I wasn't being listened to and heard, I felt like I wasn't being loved. So I had to learn that he was still loving me, even though he kind of tapped out on our conversations. And it wasn't that he was withholding love for me. It wasn't that he was, you know, telling me I'm not a great person, but he was living the life the way that he's lived his life, which is much more parsimoniously, much more action-based. And so we were able to find that balance. So communication, so communication is going to be a dance. It's not like you can learn some rules of communication and that will always be the truth for here and forever. Um, But there are certain rules that are important. No hitting below the belt. Don't talk about people's moms. Don't talk about things that people can't change. You hear a lot of partners will try to hurt their partner by saying, well, you're this anyway. You know, you're, you know, they'll, they'll try to find something about a person's physical. And, you know, so talk about yourself, the whole I statement thing. And then next, I think it's intimacy and being able to find ways to feel intimate with your partner. And that's not just sexual, but obviously it is sexual too. But it's also just finding ways to sit with your partner. How do you hold and contain your partner? You learn to just be close to somebody. And for some of us, that's not easy because maybe we haven't been comfortable with intimacy, which is why I think for so many of us, it just becomes sexual because we're not used to having non-sexual intimacy with people because maybe the non-sexual people in our lives were not very close to us. And so the only time we got that closest was when we did have a sexual partner. So learning how to be intimate is important. And with intimacy, you must have safety. 
it's hard to be intimate when you're not safe. So I would say almost impossible, but um, and so safety is different for everyone as well. Um, obviously, physical safety is a paramount. Like, obviously, nobody should be beating your ass. Like, no, not once, not ever. Practice while my partner is able to maybe be in theirs. So, those are some of my thoughts. Perfect. And I want to ask. I want to throw a variable in there, um, which has to do with culture and black love. How is it additionally challenged? I think that there's so many pressures placed on the black community that we've always known, but it hasn't been as socially acceptable to talk about as it has become, especially in the years post George Floyd and the um, Black Lives Matter movement. I think that we're having so many more public conversations, which are yielding so many more personal conversations. And so I think that we're having a real airing out of black trauma right now. And some of it's happening on a, on a public stage. And I think everyone has their own beliefs about, you know, some people are like, we need to keep this private. The black community some people are like, no, everybody needs to know. I'm neither here nor there. I think that we all process our trauma differently. And so I think that historically, the black community has been pitted against one another. And we know this in any way possible. Fair complected against brown complected, you know, wealthy against poor, educated against non-educated, men against women, Christians against, you know, who do. It's the, the society has found any way to keep us separate, because, you know, it's easier to cut off fingers than to, you know, destroy a fist like they don't want us um, empowered because they saw what happened when we had them slave revolts and some of them were quite successful. And if all of us were behind, we're behind it. All of us, no matter our gender, gender expression, identity, religion, color, if we all were behind it, they'd be in real trouble and they don't like that. Well, that's why I, that's why I have uh, come to call us the global majority as what used to be known as people of color, because when we start to connect in that way, there's no stopping us. And that's that's right. a known fact. <laughs> right. When all the people begin to realize, like, wait, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. And so in the black community specifically, there was very well thought out mechanisms to make sure we were separate. And black men have this proximity to power in their masculinity and their maleness that allows them to, it, it kind of is like, they're like, I'm so close to being a white man. I'm so close to being almost in power, right? But obviously they're reminded every day that they're black. And I think that that's something that can become very frustrating because as a black woman, we're not close to power at all from the perspective of power being white and male. We are no, we're not white and we're not male. And so we, I think, have a very different perspective on how it is we maneuver through the world, which is why I think Black women see so clearly a lot of the problems surrounding us in the world because we are impacted by just about all of it. And I think Black men see so much of it as well. But I think that masculine, that what that male part, they get caught up in some of the toxic masculinity. Obviously, not all of them are. I know so many guys, so many Black men that are just exquisite and amazing, speaking in, in big generalities. Um, and I think that this impacts us in relationships because we have all this trauma that's swirling around. We've had a historical inability to process it publicly. We haven't even been able to meet and gather for more than uh, 50 years, you know, or, like, like, you know, 100 years or so. And so we are learning how to maneuver with one another while traumatized, while being told that one is better, another is worse, this is that, this is that. And then trying to love each other in safety while we are not safe. Mm, that that's it right there. That's that's it. That's it. 
really right there. That's heartbreaking. And it is important for us to acknowledge that for each other and community. Yeah, Yeah, that's perfectly said. Okay, I got to get in a couple more things here that I think we're really, I just want to share because I think it's important the way you framed it. And so I want you to talk about the adult friendship love and getting your friendship needs met. I loved that whole explanation. So will you get into that a little bit? Yeah, I think I just like Golden Girls. <laughs> you know, there could be there could be all kinds of people in your Golden Girl squad, your Golden Person squad. Um, and so for me, I think that they're just these individuals that you're able to support yourself with without the complication of any romantic Eros style love. So I think it allows these relationships to project longer. But there's also, I mean, things change. Things can come to an end. But I feel like when you kind of diversify yourself. So I have like a number of different groups of friends for different things. I've learned to do that over the course of my life because I'm kind of that friend that like is like, yeah, we're loyal to each other and it's just me and you. And then sometimes it doesn't work out. So I'm like, okay, I got to do, I got to think a little differently. And so I feel like some of the most powerful relationships will be these ones. And part of my reasoning is for those of us that are married to men, black men don't tend to live as long as black women, right? And so if your partner is your best friend, there may come a day when you are without your partner. And so who are going to be the people that are going to be in your corner? Your best friends. Your, your, you know, you can be friendly with your kids and you are friends with your kids, but you don't need to be projecting your, pro- your issues onto your kids and talking to them about certain things that maybe are a little beyond the relationship and so you've got to have the folks around you that can contain you can hold on to your secrets can hold on to your experiences so that you can be this best person for everyone that you're experiencing and you're helping and you're dealing with and so so get a lot as many friends as you can right associates because you know we all know best friends are like here that's not right here but you know best friends things change and so i think it's important to have great networks so i have networks of people that are like my fashion friends talk about clothes and we buy stuff I have my like my health friends who are all like, eat this vegan food. And then I have my friends that are like, let's go out to party. I have my travel friends, which are also my party friends. And we like travel around the world and we do all this kind of stuff. And then I have my spiritual friends. that I'm like, girl, you won't believe what dream I just had. Let me tell you. <laughs> the ancestors are squeaking. Then you've got to go along with you and your ancestors. So, or, or your religion or whatever. And so I, I believe in diversifying, but of course you have your core and some of us, some people are really lucky to have a tight core and some aren't. And so it's just important for you to understand that it's a release. It's an important space for you to like dive into. So. Well, and the other thing that, the other thing you said, uh, doc, that I really appreciate is that you can't expect you from your friends. That's so important. That was a hard one for me to learn in life. So I just wanted to throw that in there as well as a part of what you talk about when you talk about friendships. I think that's really important. Uh, Okay, so I want to talk about something a little heavy and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's important to acknowledge um, the most recent report from the CDC says that uh, sexual attacks and other traumatic experience have led to an unprecedented, unprecedented level of hopelessness and suicidal thoughts among America's young women. Where do we start the conversation? I mean, I think we can even go back to conversations of toxic masculinity. We are in a pivot space right now. We are in a cultural transition in the United States and the pandemic has helped to literally add gasoline to the fire. 
we saw so many sexual assaults and abuse and basically some people just kind of going missing during the pandemic, especially those first like six to eight months when we didn't know what was happening and hospitals weren't open and people couldn't get away from their abusive partners and children couldn't get away from abusive parents. They're trapped in these homes with them. And so, of course, we're going to see a worsening of mental health. And then now we, as a part of that worsening, because women being assaulted aren't the only ones experiencing a worsening. There's also a worsening on in men and in rhetoric and social spaces become much more vitriolic, much more violent, which is moving this all forward. And so how do we heal when we are constantly being injured? So I feel like this might be a time, a shadow time for a lot of us in looking into the shadow and but keeping our drishti, our focus on something solid, right? And there's not a lot solid right now. Laws are changing across the country. There are very scary conversations going on. And what is it in your life that is that is stable? Is it spirit? Is it, is it, you know, it's hard to make it a person because people are constantly moving, right? So find something that is, 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 and be able to focus and be like, okay, this is my true north, this concept, this idea, this belief, because it is, it is a heavy time. And obviously I think we will get through it. I mean, the 1920s sucked too. They were coming in and out of wars. They had a huge recession that became a depression. They had increased levels of suicide. They had a lot of similar issues that we're actually kind of facing. Suicidality. There are a number of suicide hotlines you can go to. There are therapists that are changing their prices so that that you can access them. There are insurance companies that are trying to make mental health more accessible. So there are so many outlets for you, so many more than there were before. And things will definitely change, will definitely begin to look brighter. You just have to like keep moving. Good. I appreciate that. I want to talk about what you say about the law of traction and the neuroscience of manifestation. I love it. Give it, give it the, give it the, the brief, what do you call it? Sort of, yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. Cause it's so, it's so good and you could go on about it and I know, yeah. but I just want to, I want to tell them if they want to hear the rest, follow you. That's what I want to follow me. Cause you know, I don't believe that you necessarily think something, it just pops up in front of you. <laughs> That's what they kind of make you think. Anyway, so the, how our brain creates and manifests things is we present it with a problem it can solve. So when you present your brain with a well thought out problem, so I tend to look at like smart, specific, measurable, um, attainable, realistic, and time limited. When you present your brain with a challenge in that way, it understands how to get it for you. So it seems effortless. It seems like it magically happened because it happened more on an unconscious level because your frontal lobe is all about problem solving. So you'll create that mood board, that vision board. You'll write out your challenges in a way, in a, in a, in a positively worded way. So that means presence of, not absence of. So if you say, I don't want to be 150 pounds, that's not necessarily telling you what you want right? So you tell yourself, I want to be healthy. And what healthy looks like is this. So you'd be very specific about what that means. So now your body and your mind can begin to get you in that direction. So when you pick up a cookie, you're going to be thinking, is this getting me toward what my vision of health is? Maybe not. Put the cookie down. So it's not that you magically come out healthier, but it's that now you are making small iterative steps toward the things that you want because you are constantly being confronted with it because either you wrote it down somewhere because you worked it out 
or because you have like that vision board. That's what, that's how vision boards work is they remind your frontal lobe of your goals so you can get them. And I've experienced it in my own life. So I believe in it. And I wanted to make sure you talked about it. Okay. So I want to get to the show and then I have one more question and then we're going to go over where everybody can find you again. Talk about the show on OWN Network, Mother Like Daughter, and what you have found to be the greatest barrier between having a healthy relationship versus not so much. Oh my God. So Like Mother Like Daughter was, it's a show my mom and I, she has a PhD in clinical psychology as well. And so we helped mothers and daughters to work on their traumatic relationships in this 21 day workshop we did it was literally beyond beyond and i'm hoping something you know we can we can continue on but there's been mergers and things have happened so we'll see what happens but it what i saw as the biggest challenge oh my god there were so many trauma the theme yeah. was trauma there was moms don't tend to tell their daughters about the experiences that they have until it's like maybe a fight, like we're, we're, we're having an argument and it's like, well, you know, horrible things have happened to me. So why should your life be any different? You know? Right. And that's, and that's not always the space to tell your daughter about your, your history of trauma. Cause it's about her at that moment. Right. Cause maybe she brought something up. And so that's, um, but that's kind of when we end up like exposing his family secrets is when we're all really pissed off. And so I would say, yeah, trauma. Cause there's, there's so much, it's just, it breaks my heart. There's really is a lot of underlying pain in our society. Well, I hope it comes back because uh, you and your mom are doing great work and I, I really appreciate it. Okay, so one more thing and then you're going to tell us everywhere to find uh, you, your products and so forth. Tell, talk about the grass and the Tupperware. <laughs> it's all, it all died. I have to get more because I left it outside and it's too hot on my patio. So I killed it all. But I loved it when I had it. So getting ready for my surgery, I was entirely imbalanced. And I believe in standing in earth to like, you know, release all these free radicals, take in all the, you know, positive things from the planet and just release. And so I live in an apartment. I'm on like the millionth floor. So I, and I'm not walking outside and standing in the grass at the park. I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I don't care. I'm not. Because um, I'm not absorbing whatever's out there. So I um, yeah. So I went and I got some sod and I put it in this big, like kind of shallow Tupperware. And I would just put it under my feet when I was like watching TV or, you know, like sitting on the couch. And it was very grounding for me. Very grounding. Yeah. He was like, you're a maniac. But I mean, he's weird now. I mean, I'm weird. Like <laughs> I dance around the house often. I'm like, I do lots of things that are very different. And uh, but he was, he liked it. He thought it was cute. I have a little lid for it so it wouldn't, you know, get all bad. But I'm about to go buy some. I told myself, you know, like, I'm going to go buy some more grass. Oh, that's so great. I saw it. I was like, I have got to get that answer in real time. That's so perfect. Well, I have to tell you, you know, what a pleasure to connect again. I love the way you think out of the box, explain what's in the box in a user-friendly way, and then clock people on their shit while being humble. I mean, that is... Real, real talent. This is quite a skill set that you have, and, and I'm here for it. Keep doing you, and thanks for making time for me, because I appreciate all that you do, sincerely. Thank you so much. That was a great outro. My God, that was amazing. It comes from the heart. So please, once again, say where people can find you, your products, and every bit of wisdom you share. Yeah, you can find me at Allison Hicks, everything. So AllisonHicks.com, Allison Hicks on Instagram, on TikTok. And I think even on Twitter, 
Um, and that's A-L-L-Y-C-I-N-H-I-C-K-S. Thanks, Dr. Allie. You're a sweetheart. I appreciate you. <laughs> Take care and I'll be in contact. Of course. Can't wait. Okay. Bye. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.